Danielle, thank you for that, that heartfelt worship today. Thank you for leading us in that. Worship team, thank you for your leadership as well and all of you who serve in the house. Uh, I, I think this is true. I think this past week we had a wonderful Valentine's gathering at the church on Thursday. Uh, what a crowd, what a meal. It was wonderful. Uh, but I have found in, in this particular season that there are people who love it and people who hate it. It's like, please, just skip this day. For me, every day is Valentine's Day, you know, but, but for others, it's like, just quit. Just stop already. So um, as we've been learning about the awesome power of love, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. There is a deeper message that we need to embrace. Would you receive this message with me? Amen. Come on, Father, we welcome you as we receive your word, as we break this bread of life. We pray, Lord, that we would consume it and our lives would be changed. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. I want to talk to you today from the thought, the power of intimacy. Go ahead and say it, intimacy. intimacy. Oh, boy. Here we go. Uh, you know, I, if you did not know, I'm married. Okay, so you know, you know me. I'm, it's like people don't even know me by my name. I mean, we've been Rick and Diana for so long. Uh, you know, if you see one of us, you see the other. It's, a, it's, it's, it's odd that we're apart. We're blessed in that way. I've been married for a long time. You know, as a boy, one of the things I definitely wanted in life was marriage. I don't remember thinking about that when I was a kid so much, but it was just a part of the way that I was made. Good to see you all, man. Good to see you guys all. Uh, uh, I, uh, I wanted it. I needed it. I wanted it emotionally. I wanted it because it was something that was modeled in my home as a child. You know, I saw mama and daddy and I thought, I want to be a daddy and I want there to be a mama with me, you know, and... Um, uh, you know, alone, not being married is okay for those who are gifted, all right? Uh, alone for me was not good, but, but also together can be difficult. Can I get an amen from somebody? Especially when you feel together, but you're not together. Jesus explained, I, let me just deal with this for a moment. This is, don't, don't be afraid. He's just going to talk about marriage. I'm not just going to talk about that, but... Jesus explained in Mark chapter 10, verse 6, he explained, he went back to the Old Testament, he remade the statement, he explained that a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. So I would suggest out of this that one of the greatest problems in marriage is oneness. Now, I'm not talking about physical oneness because everybody seems to have that together. I'm talking about true oneness. How is it that two people can live in the same house and somehow can become completely separated? Literally strangers. That's not God's plan. It's not his best. It's not his intent. 
listen, and it is not his design. It's somebody's design. Not his design. When the scripture says the two shall become one, we're not speaking of just physical intimacy. It's speaking of unity. Somebody say unity. unity. I, I understand this in my marriage. Uh, Diane and I, you know, we think the same thoughts. I know her desires. She can look at me and she knows my, anyway, and so she can look at me and I can know she wants me to take out the trash. She's looking at me. Like right now, I can tell what she's thinking. I can't believe he's talking about that. For, for those of you who struggle with intimacy, can I remind you that bedroom intimacy might be important, but it's secondary to personal intimacy and unity. I'm not saying the ones, they're, they're all important, but uh, here's, my, here's my Valentine gift to you. Focus on intimacy. And here are some ideas that you can implement. Okay, One is learn to look into one another's eyes. Learn to look into each other's eyes. When you stop looking at each other, there's a problem. Whenever you, whenever you greet one another, do your best to look into each other's eyes and ask about life and their day and listen to what they're saying, but also look at what they're saying. Okay, what's really going on? I, it's, it's amazing how you can see things in somebody's eyes. I was at a restaurant the other day and I, the, 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 the server looked really sad and I'd had her serve me before. And I looked at her and said, what? Okay. And she said, nah, me and my boyfriend just broke up. I said, okay. And it, but it was just a look. You have to learn to look. And then put down the phone. Can I get an amen? amen? In fact, put it down right now if you can. All right, come on. When you're talking, put down the phone. Be sure to put down the phone or other electronic devices away so you can give them your best attention. All right? Yeah, can I just tell you again? I, I don't want to bust on this too much. you got to be careful with social media. Okay? Just hear me. You, you think I'm just telling you to stay off of it. I'm not, I'm not saying stay off of it. you got to be careful because you'll start looking at social media and comparing your life to people's pictures. And I put up some nice pictures and that sort of thing on occasion. Uh, but just so you know, a lot of those things are filtered. They don't take pictures when they're taken out the trash. They don't take pictures. Come on. They don't take pictures. Oh, I got laundry. They don't show their dirty underwear. They don't show that. They don't show that. They're just showing that one moment. And you think, well, that's what they're doing all day. They're standing looking out at the water. I mean, it's fine to, to look at that. But, but understand, if, you just, if all you're doing is staring at the phone, you need to stare at each other. You need to give each other your undivided attention. Be responsive to each other's struggles. If they seem extra stressed when you greet them, ask them what you can do to help and mean it. This will go a long way in lifting the burden and allowing that your, your, your spouse to be more inviting to you as well. And be patient with one another during difficult seasons. Seasons. Everybody say seasons. seasons. Some of you don't know. They didn't tell me nothing about seasons. I didn't know about seasons. I got married. And can I tell you that we have been through some seasons. All right, sometimes it's spring and I'm still in fall. Hello? Don't insist, don't push, but wait on one another. You know what I'm saying? 
Now you'll go through seasons emotionally, physically. Things will come up out of your life. Never see your relationship as an interruption. Never see it. Why? You need to talk to me? Didn't we talk yesterday? Yeah, you're not going to get any flowers for Valentine's. Your spouse always deserves your attention. Pursue to know each other on a deeper level. Pray. Specifically, check in with one another. And you've heard me say to seek God together. Have I said that a lot, like a thousand times in the last few years? Have I said that? Seek God when? Together. together. Seek God together. Pray. I ask people, do you pray together? Yeah. Like last week, we prayed together at church. You made us all hold hands. We didn't like it. <laughs> pray together. Seek God together. Now, this is true of couples, but I want to tell you something else. What I'm telling you on these seven areas also, it's true for you and your kids. Yes. What? It's true for you and your kids. Look your kids in the eye. Say, why, why, why don't I, you know, I don't, I, you will struggle sometimes because regularly you will model in your relationship exactly what was modeled for you. Your children are learning either how to do relationship or not how to do relationship. So go ahead and wait, wait. Kids, you can do this for your parents. You say, what, well, 80 years old, 90 years old. Do it with your parents. Look them in the eyes. Put down the phone. You hear what I'm saying? Find out what's going on. Kids, do it with your brothers and your sisters. Wait. Church family. See these items? For one another. Look into one another's eyes. Don't just say, I'll be praying for you. Put down the phone. Talk to one another. When I say hug each other, I'm not playing. Grab each other's hands. You know, don't be kissing all over each other. You know what I'm saying? But embrace one another. Love one another. Grab one another's hands. Be patient with one another during difficulties. I don't know what's wrong with brother so-and-so. They just got an attitude right now. Well, don't throw them out of your life. You have an attitude sometimes. I mean, I'm a pastor. I never have an attitude, but y'all do sometimes. <laughs> Pursue knowing each other on deeper levels. Don't just see each other at church. I would like to, within the next couple of years, have 50 more small groups. Somebody say small groups. Somebody say 50. Right now we've got a few, but I, I, maybe some of you might say, well, I can't lead a Bible study. I'm not asking you to lead a Bible study. Maybe you need to lead a sewing class. I don't know, a sewing group. I don't know, just some kind of group where people can get together and do life other than just at church. Amen. Yes, amen? amen. Uh, we'll talk to you more about that. I'm jumping ahead. But all of these items, and seek God together, all of these do not just work in marriage. You need to learn to do this now in your life. Now, now let, me, let me say again, happy Valentine's to everyone and I want to say that to my singles. Where are my singles in the house? Can I get a single amen? All right. All right. I also want to tell you something about singles. I love you. Don't skip Valentine's Day. God calls some people to be single. Now, some of you are single and looking. Some of you have been single for a long time and ain't looking for nobody. Being single should not be viewed as a curse or a punishment. According to Paul in 1 Corinthians 7... It's an opportunity to serve God wholeheartedly. Amen. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God. So he looked at his ability to be single as a gift. Some of you don't have that gift. 
find a godly man or a woman and marry them. And if they can't pray, listen, you need to find somebody who loves God more than you do and marry them. I heard this somewhere, somewhere. Listen, find somebody that loves God more than they will love you too. You don't want to be dragging people to church every week. Find somebody that loves God more than you that will drag you to church on a bad day. Find somebody that you don't have to say, come on, let's pray. Come on, let's pray. You, you, no. If they're not interested when you're dating, they're not going to be interested later. Okay, did I just say all that and we're okay still? All right. All right. Which brings me to a deeper level of understanding. I want, I want us to understand the love of God. I think we throw around the word love so much that we just get lost. You know, Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, you know, last week, uh, last week, I uh, talked to you about uh, one big statement. Love is a choice, right? Say it. Love is a choice. It's a decision. You don't always feel love. You love each other on purpose. I'm not just talking about marriage. I'm talking about your relationship with one another, brothers and sisters in Christ. Love is a choice. It is a decision. And I, and I was, you know, listened to some songs the other day, you know, and I, and I get this, you know. You know, I love the way my wife looks at me. I love the way she looks. I, I love the way she takes care of things and all that. That's good. But I don't love her. My love is, does not come out of that. My love comes out of this. I choose to love her. Because you're going to go through some times where people can't serve you the way you want them to serve you. If you don't learn that love is a choice, then you will, you will just struggle massively in your life. I'm making a decision to love. Anybody want to hear this? Amen. All right, I hope it's on out in the hallway so everybody can hear it out in the hallway. Listen, love is a choice. Not a feeling. Colossians 3 and 14, over all these th virtues... Put on love. Say it. Put on love, which binds us together in perfect unity. That the, the greatest commandment. Look at the greatest commandment again. Uh, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, uh, I'm so glad everyone is so good at loving their neighbor. I've noticed that in our culture... In our, in our national political conversation, how everyone is so into making sure that everyone is loved and accepted and everyone is admired. And, and you, it's like you're almost afraid to say anything right now because if you say something, people might feel unloved. And we want everybody just, you know, we are the world, you know, just embrace everybody. And I believe I believe it's good. Can I tell you, no matter who you are, I love you. I'm interested in your life, no matter what your baggage is or what your background is. I love you. I mean, even if your behavior right now is is ungodly and broken, I want you to know I love you. Look at somebody and tell them you love them. OK, OK, you don't know what they did last week for some of them. OK, you don't know what they you just told somebody you love them. You don't know. You don't know. You don't have. You can't like rewind and say, well, you did that. I don't like that. OK, just we love each other. Because we're making a choice to love each other. Amen? However, don't forget the first part of this. It opens up with, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. Okay? 
Now, while you're busy loving everybody else, remember to love God first. Amen. Did you hear me? Yeah. For, for if you, who for you who are looking, okay, let me help you with your romance. It's important for you to understand love God first. But then I'm saying this and I'm saying, do you even know what that means? What is that? It, when you love God, is that like, you know, you've got like a, you know, a invisible friend, you know? Hello? Let, let me tell you. I think if there was only one message that I could preach, it might be this one that I'm about to preach. In the Bible there is a concept that we often miss. And you might have heard it over and over. It's this truth. More than anything that God wants from you, God wants you to know Him. Amen. More than anything else. More than your money. More than your time. God wants you to know Him. Now, now what I'm about to share with you might shock some of you. Personally, I, I'm not sure I knew it. I'd been in church as a child all my life. I think I thought what was important is that we had good church. Well, that, we had good church today, brother. You know, people jumping up and down, people laying all over the floor, you know, just, just they were like carpet all over the floor. It was people carrying people out, you know, and that, nothing wrong. I, I thought everything had to be in order. Everything had to be in place. Music has to be good. Can I get an amen for good music? I mean, God is God. He ought to be worshipped. Music has to be good. And the preaching had to be loud. <laughs> Quiet preachers. When I grew up, nobody ever said, God is good. God is good. Ha! You know, that's what I <laughs> I don't think anybody told me this was what it was all about. I'm not sure we told our children this was what it was all about. When Jesus talked about having this relationship with God or becoming a Christian... He used the word know. When the Apostle Paul talked about your relationship with God, he always used the word to know him. And that may not, that, that may not shock you because the word know we speak in English is not the same word that is spoken in Greek. In the Bible, in the original language that your New Testament was written in, the word is gnosko. Gnosko. Everybody say gnosko. Okay, that sounds, it sounds like somebody's last name. You know, like George Gnosko. You know, I... Gnosko, it's a good name. Uh, but it means to know intimately. To know intimately. Now here's something that's going to be weird. Because, you know, Jesus used the word and said, I want you to know me. I want, I want you to know me. I want you, you should know God. But when he used it, he used the word Gnosko. And when he used the word Gnosko, hear this. When he used the word Gnosko... He was using the same word that they used for conceiving a child. So he threw the word gnosko out and he went us to what? It's kind of, Jesus did this. Then he like, when we received the supper of the Lord, he said, this bread is my body. Eat it. Take this cup. It's my blood. Drink it. What? A lot of people just left him. Couldn't even, that, that was just too much. You know, just too much. And now he's saying, I want you, I want you to, and this, listen, 
I want you to have a relationship with the Father and the, and, our, and the relationship that we are to have. I want you to know Father as I know Him and I know Father intimately. Amen. You can almost see the people going, ah! Because their understanding of God is that their understanding of God is that He is so big you could never know Him. He is, you know, the God they worshiped was a distant God, a holy God who could never be, you could never be close to, and you really didn't want to be close to him. God is up here. You were down there. But Jesus came and said, no, I, he got our, our God. The father wants to be intimate with you. He wants to be close to you. He wants to be in a deep, personal relationship with you. Jesus actually went so far as to say to them in Matthew 7 and 21, I'm not going to like this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my father. Now look what he says. My father is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly. Here's that word. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I never what? I never, only those who do the will of my father. What is the will of my father? That you would know me. That's my will. I want to know you. I want you to know me. What is his will for us? Our will is to know the Lord. Our will is to know, the, his, his will is for us to know the Lord Jesus. And I want to prepare you to meet the Lord. It's sort of my job, I think. To prepare you one day to meet the Lord. And I want you to be dressed up and look pretty and all that. I want you to, yeah, you know. And, and when you see the Lord, and you know, you may not know this, but the Bible says that one day there's going to be something called the white throne judgment. And all of us are going to stand before the Lord. Amen. All of us are. Yes, every one of you. You might, you might say, well, you know, I, not me. I, I don't even. You're going to stand there too. Right. All right. All of us will stand before the Lord. And that day could come sooner than you think. Amen. And the Bible says all of us, both small and great, will stand before God. And I don't know how it's all going to work. I, you know, I kind of, so, you know, I thought in the flesh, you know, maybe there'll be like this really long line and you'll have a number and, and finally they'll call you or your number, blink, 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 be like the DMV, you know, and we'll all be waiting on our time where we finally get to go up. Uh, eventually you'll hear your number called and you get to go up. I probably not that, but and God looks at you and says, why should I let you into my kingdom? And what are you going to say? I got baptized. Pastor Rick's really good at baptizing. It's like he held me all the way under. I thought about it. I didn't even know if I was going to come back up for a minute. <laughs> I was wet. All my clothes were wet. I got out. There was water in my ears. It was weird. You know, I got baptized. Is that what you're going to say? You know, I always was at church on time. Now, there's only like three or four of you that can say that, but... <laughs> I gave a bunch of money, a bunch of money. I bought a whole chair. <laughs> Let me tell you how I want to see the Lord. When I see him, 
I'll probably fall on my face and cry, holy, holy, holy. I just think I'll do that. I know that I'll be able to overcome that. But then I want to run to him. I want to wrap my arms around my daddy's neck. Anybody hear me? I want to run to him. I, uh, I don't, you know, I got those California kids who don't get to see them too often. When I do get to see them, I don't say, hello, let's go get a burger. I never do that. It's hardly nothing. What? It's always that. I'm, you know, my daughter is going to have a birthday next month, and I don't think I've ever shaken her hand in her life. Not one time. I don't think I've ever went, hi, Felicia, how you doing? Never done that. I just... I love my kids. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I love my father. My dad, when I see my dad, I don't say, hello, father, and shake hands with him. I don't do that. Maybe maybe your tradition is different. I'm not busting on your tradition. I'm just saying that I know Jesus. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying I know that I know him and I know that he knows me. We've been doing life for a long time and we've been talking every day for a long time. You know what I'm saying? And so when I see him as he is, I look forward to seeing him and embracing him and spending time with him. Anybody else understand what I'm saying? As much religious activity as we do, God doesn't just want our religious activity. God wants relationship with us. He wants to know us. And he wants us to know him. In Matthew 15 and 1, some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem. And they asked the question, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Now, that's a strange teaching uh, because of our context. Because uh, I actually, the, the one time we were in Israel, we actually saw this big basin where people had a ceremonial hand washing. And before they were to take of the food, there was the ceremony hand washing. It wasn't just like washing your hands like we do with some soap and water. Uh, and getting on out the door, you know, and hoping there's paper towels instead of those blow dryer things, you know. I, anybody with me? It's like, you know, wipe your hands on your pants, you know. It, the ceremony hand washing was like this, okay? You get the water in your hands, and the water has to drip down off of your elbows, okay? It's a particular type of hand washing. And uh, so the tradition was this, you know, Jesus... Jesus says, guys, just wash your hands. Aren't you, aren't you glad for people like that? Just let them wash their hands. The, 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 Jesus said, why do you break the, the command of God for the sake of your tradition? So what is he saying here? What is the command of God? How about love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself? Don't get so caught up in the way everybody is washing their hands. Don't, just don't do that. And he goes on to say in verse 6, he says, You nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He's not looking for hand washing. He's looking for hearts that are near to him. Does that make sense? He's, it's not just the way that you walk or talk or the way you dress. or It's about your heart. It's about being close to him. 
Just one more story. Matthew chapter 25. Uh, you know this story. It's the story of the five wise and five foolish virgins. Anybody remember this story? We often read the story. At that time, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. Five of them were wise. And that's kind of the way we, that's where we hang out. That's where we hang our hat right there. You know, I'm glad I'm a Christian because I'm a little better than the rest of those folks. All right, got to be careful. Five wise, five foolish. And then he says, the foolish one took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. And this is all a context about, you know, the bridegroom is coming, you know, and the, and these who are going out who will be a part of the, of the feast. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. All right? Now Jesus is talking about themselves here. Some people think he's talking about somebody else. He's talking about these people. So all the virgins woke up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. I don't know you. I tell you the truth. What's the last line? I don't know you. And if, if you didn't know the scripture, you would think it was about something else. But here it goes again. It's, it's the word. I wasn't aware of you. I wasn't in relationship with you. You don't know me and I don't know you. You say, well, it's about whether you, you know, you've done this or you've done that. Look, all the works are good. But hey, God wants you in relationship with you. He wants people who are in an intimate relationship that are close to him. You say, well, what am I supposed to do? When you're close to him, you'll know what you're supposed to do. People don't get this. People think... We're just an institutional organization that wears robes and hats and we have steeples and stained glass. And that's so sad. Let me tell you what we are at Freedom. We are a people that are in love with a, with a, with a loving, intimate God. We love Him. We pursue Him. We are getting to know Him better and better. And when we come here, it's because we want to know Jesus. And we want Jesus to know us. You know, more than anything in my life, I want to know Jesus. I love Him. Somebody tell Him, I love Him. Come on, somebody. I love Him. Is your heart after God? Is your heart after Him? Is your heart after the Lord Jesus? Is it after Him? You will know when your heart is not after God. Let me show you a few ways that you will know your heart is not after God. One is, you'll have a sense of powerlessness. Just powerlessness. I can't overcome. I can't get through this. I just, I can't. It is 
And you'll say, it is, it is what it is. Sometimes your emotions are so messed up and broken because you just can't see your way ahead ever. Or a frustration with trying to do good. It's hard when you're not in love because our service should be out of love. Sometimes like we'll have a connection card. You say, well, what should I connect with? You know, whatever you connect with, if you're open the doors, if you're working in the nursery, if you're taking the offering, if you're running sound, if you're running the webcast, if whatever you're doing, if you're working with the kids, don't do it because if I don't do this, God's going to be. No, do it out of love for God. Do it because you love him. You know, I do what I do around my house. Why, why, am I, why am I interested in everything about my wife? It's about the relationship. I want to know her more. It's, listen, it's hard to care for one another when you're not faithful. Amen. But the reason you're not faithful is because you're not intimate. You're not trying to know. Do you hear what I'm saying? You're not trying. You can't talk. You won't talk. You won't break down all those barriers. You won't walk through forgiveness. But when you get forgiveness and you get restoration, you're ready to soar. Amen. You know, one of the great reasons people just drop out is because they can't stand relationship. Can't stand it. The Bible is incredibly difficult unless you are in love with God. Have you ever read the Bible? Thought, That's tough. I can't do that. But when you love him, it's like, yes! It's like Christmas, you know, for somebody that you love. You want to get a gift. You know, it's so tough when they don't tell you what they want. Give you a list or anything. Valentine's Day is coming up and you're going to get something for them. But you don't know what they want. And then you get it for them. Get something. Thing for them and they look at it and they say, oh, that's nice. <laughs> Aren't you glad that you were in a relationship with a Jesus who tells you what he wants? This is the love of God in 1 John 5 and 3. To obey his commands and his commands are no longer burdensome. I love that. The scripture isn't up there, but when you are in love with God, what he commands is no longer burdensome. He wants me to walk upright and be righteous. He wants relationships to look like this. He wants me to forgive people as he has forgiven. He wants us to love one another. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's what Jesus wants. Why does he want me to do that? He loves you. That's why he wants it. And he knows what's best. He doesn't know what's best for me. Sounds like you and your bad relationship. But because I love him and he loves me and he knows what's best. And I read in his word. I hear his voice in my heart. Yes, I know what he wants for Valentine's Day. Or you find yourself envying others who seem to be closer to God than you are. You can't stand all these people. Your fire's gone out and you just can't stand fired up folk. Just, why is everybody so into Jesus? They're clapping their hands and praising God. I wish they just... Find yourself envious. I wish I had... And then it's like, I wish I had that. I just can't find that in my own life. Let me give you a scripture. We opened up with Philippians 3 and 10. Read this with me in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. 
I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. There's that word again. Gnosko. I want to I want to have intimacy with Christ. And I want to experience the same power that he experienced. I love that. We so put all of our hope in just good works. But you can't do it without him. I need to experience his mighty power. But I can't experience his mighty power unless I decide that I want to know Christ. God, just give me your power. Come on, somebody anoint me so I get his power. No, get to know him. Love him. Fall in love with him. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead will also be inside of you. God doesn't just want you to know about the death and resurrection of Jesus. He wants you to experience it. And I want to know God like Jesus knew him. I want to spend time with God. I want to spend time with the Lord. I want to right now in my life be raised from the dead. I want to break free from my relationship with dead works and a dead life into a living relationship with the Lord Jesus. Perhaps you want to know him. Perhaps you want to love him. Perhaps now you're realizing that the issue with your life has been lack of relationship. And it's the curse in our nation. Am I right? Am I right? Come on. We are relationally broken in our culture. People don't know how to have righteous relationships. So they're trying to figure it out according to the way that I feel. Well, I feel like I'm this, so I'll do this. I feel like this would work. Stop running by your gut. Just stop it, okay? Stop it. Anybody says you just go with your gut. Just say, you don't know what you're talking about and walk away, all right? I want a relationship with Jesus. And out of my relationship with Jesus, I'm going to have a relationship with you. It starts with this. Love him because he first loved you. Love him because he loved me first. I did a typo. I'm sorry on that. Love him because he loved me first. Love him because he loved me. He first loved me. 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. God already loves you. You can't get your act together enough. Just know that God loves you. He doesn't want more stuff. He wants a relationship first. Before you knew him, he knew you. Greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. He loves me. Just say it. Jesus loves me. Say it. Jesus loves me. Get it out. Jesus loves me. And then pursue him with all of your heart. I want to pursue him with all of my heart. Say it. I pursue him with all of my heart. Valentine's Day is kind of cool. It's a day of pursuit. I, uh, I took Diana out for the first time with a youth group, January 27th, 1978. All right? We went to Ellen K. Restaurant in Chillicothe, Ohio, and sat together. And I couldn't say I held her hand, kind of touched her hand. And uh, I've been pursuing her ever since. I'm still trying to win her heart, even though I won it. You hear what I'm saying? Some of you quit pursuing each other. She's still my girlfriend. You hear what I'm saying? You need to pursue God with all your heart. God loves to be pursued. Jeremiah 29. I know the plans I have for you. Everybody love that? 
declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. Read that. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. When part of your heart is over here and part of your heart is over there. I want the hope and future, hope and future, hope and future. Seek God. Get the hope and future. What would it look like if this was the year that you would go after God with all your heart? How would that change all of your relationships? How would that change your outlook? How would that change your anxiety? Finally, just give Jesus your life. Luke 9 and 24 says, If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Give up your life for me. Give up your life for me. So, uh, it sounds like I'm shoving tradition over to the side right now. Anybody feel that? Can you feel that? God says, I want what? A relationship. Ganasco. I want intimacy with you. Would you stand with me as we get ready to close our service? Everybody look up here at me too. Look up at me. Look at me. I love you. What? I love you. I love you. Look up at Jesus and tell him, I love you. All right, now just shake your hands a little bit. Shake your hands. All right, everybody put your hands up. Put your hands down. Put your right foot forward. Bring your right foot Left foot forward, left foot back. Okay. Now let's all salsa just a little bit. Nobody salsa with me because I'm not that good at it. I mean, if I brought you all front to do the electric slide right now, you could. All right? That's the only dance I really know other than the hokey pokey. Um, but you see, that's what you're expecting right now with me. Your expectations kind of get in the way what we need to do even at an altar service I got altar workers that will be glad to pray with you but expectations sometimes get in the way does that make sense I, uh, we used to sing the Fiddler on the Roof song it was out in the 70s right? sunrise sunset sunrise sunset anybody remember Fiddler on the Roof who remembers Fiddler on the Roof it's still a classic right still a classic I, we saw it years ago in an outdoor theater. We went and saw it. It was so fun. Uh, there's all kinds of great songs in it. One is uh, Tradition, Tradition. That's basically all the guy sings. All right, it's the father, the Jewish father, who has daughters. And the daughters, he's supposed to select who all of the daughters are supposed to marry. Which I still think is a good idea. All right, anyway. So. But they, they find some guys that he had not picked. And he sings this song to them. Tradition, tradition. And uh, tells all of his daughters, I'll decide who you're going to marry. And then the whole, the whole musical is about that. But the, the story is not just about him and his daughters. It's about he and his wife. This guy has all these daughters and his wife. And he goes into the kitchen and he finds his wife. And he closes the door behind him. And he looks at his wife of all these years, the woman who has birthed these children. And he says, he sings this song to her. 
love me. <laughs> yes, I. She knows the song then. Yes, I love you. And then she breaks into, you know, all these thoughts, you know. I've ironed your clothes. I've done, you know, she says, you know, I've done all these things. You don't know that I love you. Sometimes as the church, I think we come here on occasion and we go through all of the stuff that we go through. And you can almost hear Father looking down at us and saying, but do you love me? Do you love me? You say, yes, Lord, but look at all the junk that's in my life. Look at all the things that I'm dealing with. And he says, but do you love me? Do you love me? And we ought to be able to echo back and just look at him and say, yes, I love you. Now watch. All the other things are going to begin to go into place now. Watch. Because when you love him first, because he first loved you, and then all the other stuff that you think are chores and all the obedience that you need to step into, you'll stop like, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that. And you'll stop it because you're so in love with Father that you will out of love do good works. And you'll stop looking at it as tradition. You'll start looking at it as relationship. It's all about intimacy. One day, we're all going to see the Lord. And He's going to say, why should I let you into my heaven? I want to say, because it's my heaven too. Look at my heart. Your fingerprints are all over it. And my fingerprints are all over yours. Now watch, I'm telling you that if you'll receive what I'm telling you today, it will fix all kinds of mess in your life. Some of you are struggling in so many areas in your life. And I keep trying to jump in and tweak it there with my little pastoral screwdriver, you know, just I mean, tweak a little bit. You pray a little bit more here and your praise got a little bit more here and you talk a little bit more here. I just want you to know God. And all of your sin and all your mess, all of the things that you failed in are not just because you chose to sin. It's because you chose not to love him. If you love me, he said, you'll keep my commandments. And we hear it as, I keep my commandments to prove that I love him. He said, no. If you're intimate with me. some altar workers that are here to pray but I want everybody to pray today I just don't want people to get prayer I want everybody to pray there's like a few things that are true in this room one there are people here and you already know God personally you're in a personal relationship with Jesus but some of you kind of have like a some sort of a relationship with Jesus and you would say I need a real relationship with Jesus. I just need a real personal relationship with Jesus. And then there are others in the house that you started a relationship and you just you just want him more than you've ever wanted him before. And perhaps there are some in here 
that have heard me preach and you don't ever intend to make a decision for Jesus. Thanks for coming. Keep coming. Okay? I'll keep preaching and I'll keep loving you. And I'm going to have hope for you. But you hear what I'm saying. There are those who just want a deeper, more loving relationship than you've ever had. And if there are conflicts in your life, we want to pray about those. But first of all, we just want to pray that he would baptize you in his love today. Everybody say, I love you, Jesus. Say it, I love you, Jesus. Come on, say it, I love you, Jesus. Now say it, come on, say it intimately. I love you, Jesus. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Right now, some of your relationships are beginning to get whole. Say it again. I love you, Jesus. John 17 and 3. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Gnosko. This, read this with me. This is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. To know the Father, to know the Son. So if you have any needs that you want special prayer for, come, all right? But I want everybody in the house, everybody in the house to take a few moments. You can close your eyes or you can keep your eyes wide open. You can lift your hands or put them behind your back, put them behind your head. I don't care what you do. But would you take the next minute or so and like you have forgotten to tell him, would you go and tell Jesus how much you love him right now? Just do it. No matter what your past is, you might say, I'm too full of sin to do this. Go ahead and tell Jesus you love him. Go ahead. Everybody in the house. Everybody. Everybody that knows him. I love you, Jesus. For those of you that need a real relationship with Jesus, you want to come and pray and have somebody embrace you. Brother, these people love you so much. Come on down and stand. Come on down the front and these people will help you in that real relationship with Jesus. For those of you who are struggling, maybe in your own relationship, in your, in your pain in your family, or you're sick in your body, you come down and we'll pray for you as well. Father, we love you. We're here because we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace, for your peace. Thank you because you loved me first. Father, as we gather in this room, we gather together loving one another. And we have come here to know you like we've never known you before. I bless you. I worship you. I How many received the word? How many received the word? Is it going to make a difference in your life? I want you every morning when you get up to tell Jesus that you love him. Talk to him for a little while. Read some of his love story. It's called the Bible. Read some of it. And remember, it's a love letter. Remember, it's a love letter to you. And then as you walk, to walk through your life, love Jesus and love others, I'm telling you, he will turn your world around. Get to know God. I love you.